Hello, you're listening to Dr. Diggy's podcast. I'll be debunking medical myths through conversations with health professionals. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Diggy, and thank you for joining me for episode three of the Dr. Diggy podcast. I hope you're all keeping well and safe in these challenging times. And I'd like to really thank you so much for your support for listening to the last episode where we talked about myths and facts about vaccines with Dr. Danso. Um, before that, we had uh, Dr. Gabby and talk, talking to us about coronavirus on our first ever episode. If you've missed either of them, you can find them on SoundCloud and now on Spotify. I will figure out a way to get it on iTunes sorry guys but it's under the name Dr Diggy podcast so um, on Instagram I asked everyone to put forward their suggestions for a topic for today's episode and we had a lot of great ideas from dealing with mental health to diet fads I think they'll all make great topics for future episodes but the most popular question that came up was around fertility how does IVF work should I be freezing my eggs am I at risk of infertility these are just some of the questions you asked. To answer these and dispel some myths, I'm joined by Dr. Christina Ketchy. She's a London-based consultant, obstetrician and gynaecologist and women's health advocate. In addition to her busy schedule working at the hospital or the clinics, treating patients in their early stages of pregnancy to patients with fibroids, she's passionate about working to reduce racial and gender disparities. I have no idea how I managed to get into Christine's hugely busy schedule but I'm honestly so grateful to have her on to give her advice today on the Dr Diggy podcast. So let's get started. So what I usually have on the podcast is I I have this thing where I ask people true or trash like true or false questions and some of these you might have heard from your patients before some of these you must be like I have no idea so we'll just go through them. So the first one is I will get twins if I will definitely get twins and have twins if I eat enough yams. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so there have been lots of thoughts as to um, why certain groups of people are more likely to have twins than, than others. What we do know is there tends to be a genetic predisposition to um, having twins. We know that um, certain ethnic groups have a high incidence of twins, namely Nigerians and namely the Yoruba tribe. And uh, there were some discussions about uh, yams, but there isn't enough strong evidence to understand or suggest why that may be so. Mm. There were some thoughts about estrogen and yams having a very high estrogen content, but um, I wouldn't necessarily advise going in and eating yams. Yeah, yams yeah, as very much for people who don't know who are listening, yams are um, a, a huge staple for the Nigerian diet. So when you link the two together with a high, you know, Nigerians have the highest incidence of uh, twins, so much so that Yorubas have a name for twins. Which yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anywhere in other culture. They, I wish there was some research about it. But anyway, don't, don't overdo it on yams. It won't guarantee you twins. <laughs> um, so another question was, would, one person asked, Will having fibroids affect your fertility? So fibroids are extremely common. Um, we know that, or I know that if I were to suddenly go to Westfield, for example, when Westfield suddenly opens up, and oh, yeah. I would an ultrasound probe and go and scan every woman, I'd probably find that anywhere between 30 and 40% of women will have fibroids. So fibroids are benign growths of the muscle of the womb, essentially yeah. knobbly bits in the womb. Um, and, and 
for the most part, they don't cause any problems if they're very small and tiny. However, for some women, unfortunately, those fibroids can grow to be a bigger size and then can cause lots of really difficult symptoms. So namely bleeding, heavy bleeding or pain, yeah. or essentially making women look like they're pregnant. Now, with regards to fertility, it depends on the size and the location. So we know that um, if fibroids tend to be more than four centimeters or if they're sitting inside the cavity where the baby would grow, then potentially they may impact on fertility. However, in my yeah. obstetric practice, I see women who um, come along, you know, to deliver their babies with fibroids of 10 and 11 centimeters. And Sorry, that's it. so they didn't even realize they had these massive fibroids. They definitely realized. Okay, they fine. Realize. <laughs> so they knew, but in effect, yeah. Yes. And um, most commonly, those are due to fibroids that are on the outside surface of the ah. womb, so not impinging on where the baby would grow. Okay, cool. Okay, so it's a bit more complex than just being straightforward, affecting your fertility. It depends where they are, how large they are, and you'll have to have a scan and, and be seen by a gynecologist to follow this up. Um, another fun question that I've seen um, on, the, on Instagram, someone asked, um, vegan diets will help you conceive. Have you heard anything about this or anything from um, your patients? So, I mean, there, there, there will be lots of um, platforms that will advise um, diets and, and um, I don't know, positions to stand on and things that you're supposed to do and shouldn't do to increase one's, one's chance of um, yeah. conceiving. There really isn't any strong evidence, to my knowledge, about a vegan diet improving fertility, yeah. to be honest and um, understanding the factors that are um, integral for us to conceive a vegan diets wouldn't necessarily feature, only to say though, that it's very important that one has a balanced healthy diet anyway. Yeah. So any yeah. extremes in diets will obviously have some unintended consequences, one of which may be, you know, um, fertility concerns. Oh, really? Oh. Mm -hmm. So, so for example, if somebody um, has a diet that's um, extremely high in carbohydrates and fat, yeah. then the, the consequence is obesity. Sure, so sure. Before, we know that people who are um, overweight have a higher chance of difficulty with conceiving and also yeah. a higher chance of miscarriage. Conversely, if somebody has a diet that is um, very much lacking in nutrition, um, such that they are extremely underweight, then the consequence of that may be that their periods stop. And if their periods stop, then they're not uh, ovulating. So they will have difficulty getting pregnant. So this is what I mean. It may not have a direct impact on fertility, yeah. but more of an indirect impact. I guess, like you said, the most important thing for pregnancy is to maintain a healthy, balanced diet. And I think, like you said, you know, the extremes are quite, you, you know, can indirectly affect your fertility. And I guess... With a vegan diet, if you're not eating red meat, or you're not eating eggs, you're missing, I guess, nutrients and vitamins that you are essential for a balanced diet. So you have to be, I guess, taking those in tablet form. Well, absolutely. And we know that um, certain nutrients are extremely important, just as you said, just like your iron and, and vitamin D also. Um, folic acid is very important for mm. the formation of the spinal cord in the first 12 weeks of the developing embryo. So, of course, if somebody is severely lacking in any of these nutrients, then it will impact um, not only on their ability to conceive, but also the development of an early pregnancy. Awesome. So ve vegan diet is not going to necessarily help you, but you should definitely be careful what diet you're on and what supplements you're taking. So some questions specifically from Instagram, because I think it's, you know, these are really good to ask you. Um, someone asked here, 
Uh, okay, we covered fibroids already. Someone asked, how does someone go about egg freezing and how expensive is it? And someone also asked similar question, should I be freezing my eggs or embryos? I'm young, but, I, but, I, but kids won't be happening for me for at least five years. So I guess we should okay. talk about egg freezing. chunks of questions. <laughs> what is egg freezing? So yeah. egg freezing can be split into two groups. There's egg freezing that occurs because um, somebody is undergoing medical treatments that is going to severely and most commonly um, irreversibly impact on their fertility. So for example, somebody that's undergoing radiotherapy as part of cancer treatment. Yeah. And that would be medical egg freezing and that is supplied free of charge by the NHS. Any other reason for egg freezing? So for example, the example you gave, somebody who would like to preserve their fertility because they feel that they're not um, ready to have a child right now is called social egg freezing. Mm. Or for example, um, a same-sex couple um, ah. who would be maybe you know, using somebody else's eggs or so on and so forth, or freeze their eggs. Um, or a single woman who decides that she wants to freeze her eggs. Essentially any other reason other than a medical reason is social egg freezing, and that is not supported by the NHS currently. Okay. So the process itself involves stimulating the ovaries with um, medication to cause the ovaries to produce many follicles. And then the follicles are, um, or the eggs are extracted from the follicles and then stored on ice until the time at which the woman is um, ready to conceive. Now, that process can take a number of weeks, mm -hmm. but people have to remember that when we talk about how much it costs, there are the costs associated with the drugs needed to stimulate the ovaries. Um, there are the costs associated with the egg retrieval procedure itself, and then egg, um, the costs associated with egg storage. Oh, wow, um, I didn't think of that. Mm. Currently in the UK, you um, can only store your eggs if you've, um, if you've gone through egg freezing because of uh, social reasons, so to speak. Social yeah. egg freezing. You can only store your eggs for 10 years. Okay. So, and then you, you pay every year that your eggs remain in storage until you are ready to use them. So overall, the costs in the UK are about um, £10,000. 10 to 12,000 pounds, there can be some local variability. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, it it's a cheap. big, it's not cheap, it's a big commitment, but wow, gosh. You explained that really well. I'd never thought about having to pay for each individual process, but I guess that we, we don't think of that with regular NHS services at all. So everything has to be paid for, even the fridge or the freezer where you put the eggs. <laughs> Exactly. Gosh. A good reason. Um, yeah, yeah. For now, um, because in a way, it does help fertility units develop their services, improve their services, of and improve the outcomes. And I think for women who are considering um, egg freezing, the most important thing to note is what the chance is of mm. having a baby from frozen eggs. So, what is my likelihood of having a baby later? Yeah. And what we know is that so far, um, the success rates for a live birth, so having a baby that you go home with from a frozen egg is in the region of 18, 1.8 to 20%. So much lower oh, wow. than what you would originally think. However, that rate is improving as, as each year goes by um, and as the process for um, 
retrieving eggs or extracting eggs and storing yeah. eggs and thawing the eggs so yeah melting the ice so to speak around them already improves i guess it's all about technology as that improves that those outcomes will improve hopefully and but yeah wow i never thought 20 yes. percent yeah but it's also about knowledge because women also need to know that the younger they are they they the younger they are at which they store their eggs the better the success ah. rate how young are you saying so 20 younger 25 30 under the age of 35 okay wow good to know that's so okay so someone also asked um is it true like we've mentioned this already is it true that women um find it really hard to conceive over 30 and what are the reasons behind that so we kind of discussed that it's with the with the egg freezing it's better to freeze when you're younger so why is that what's the reason so we are born with a set number of eggs um, and that number does not change in fact the number of eggs decreases over time as, as we get older so it's not as if we are generating more eggs and if you can imagine that um, the eggs that we are born with can undergo some DNA damage again over time so the quality of the eggs decreases as we get older so as such, there could be a certain point where we have a reduced number of eggs mm -hmm. and reduced quality of eggs. However, in reality, the age at which we see a degree of impact in fertility reduction is really over the age of 40. So actually, if a woman age 40 um, with no other um, compromising factors is trying to conceive, she still has about a 30% chance of successful conception, of mm -hmm. successfully conceiving on her own. Okay, okay, so that's actually still a significantly good chance. And yeah. I wouldn't say that there is a reduction in fertility age of 30, but of course, you know, age 25 is slightly better than 30, but then age 30, you still have a significant chance of conceiving, you know, yeah. on yeah. any concerns or issues we've talked about egg freezing so should we talk about ivf just briefly like what is what's ivf and what's that what does that involve so ivf essentially is egg freezing and then a couple of steps afterwards um ivf is part of a number of techniques um, under the umbrella called assisted reproductive technology which is the term that we use to um, describe anything that we do to help a woman or a couple conceive and so IVF is essentially where we get the sperm and the egg and we fertilize it outside of the uh, womb, essentially, in the test uh, tube. Yeah. And then replace the embryo back inside the uterine cavity, the womb. Um, so if we can imagine the egg freezing process, but we don't freeze the eggs, we get the sperm and then we mix the sperm and the egg together. And then we wait for the egg to fertilize. We get the early embryos, which we call blastocysts, and we screen the embryos and we find the better quality embryos. And those are the ones that we um, implant. And so okay. that is the IVF process. And have you, what challenges is, I feel like some communities um, are kind of more adverse to going to IVF than others um, or more. And, and I think that delay also probably reduces their chances of being successful in IVF. What's been your experience with that? I think with a lot of um, black and Asian communities, there can be um, uh, sometimes a, a, a lack of awareness of the actual procedure means that a lot of myths can, um, 
can uh, present, which are not necessarily true and they've never been challenged. I think also there is a lot of cultural stigma um, that can prevent people from, from seeking help. And I think part of that is related to the myth, particularly surrounding black women about super fertility. Mm. Um, this idea that, you know, we, we didn't, don't need help. And, you know, there's some grandmother in the village that conceived <laughs> children even at the age of 50. So a, a lot yeah. of these, these myths and, and that, that are not necessarily true. And in a way it then stops people from seeking help out of embarrassment. I think religion also plays a part as well. Mm. And for some people, there's a consideration about what to do with um, embryos that are not used. So if they do conceive their children with IVF and maybe they've completed their family at two or three children, but they still have some spare embryos left, obviously for some, there is a concern about what happens to those embryos. And some may find that it's against their religious beliefs yeah. to destroy the embryos. So that's so that's true for a number of, a number on, of cultural. on that point just a question can is there any way of donating those embryos to couples who are trying because if you don't yeah. want to destroy them someone yes. else may be ready just not does not may not have the embryo to so Absolutely. and there are lots of channels for that um and and people and couples women will be encouraged to do so however um for many they may find that they don't want to donate mm. their to you know somebody else for which they would never have contact some people you know understandably oh, find yeah. that it's so, definitely a very tricky area and I, I guess these women who enter and consider about doing IVF they're given enough counseling there's a lot you know lots of literature yeah. and information given to them before they make any decision does that help yeah so lots of um, very good uh, IVF clinics will have clinical counselors on board that will help um, the woman and you know her partner if she has one through every step of the journey because it is a very um, difficult process it's it's really emotionally challenging um, there are lots of highs and lots of lows you know there are lots of mood changes that come from the hormonal changes that occur yeah. with the condition the disappointment that can occur if it doesn't work or a miscarriage occurs gosh of course when, you know it, it is successful and then the anxiety that can continue until a baby is born if they've had a very difficult journey up until that point. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And one final question. How do you, um, how do you think those services uh, have been affected in general, fertility services have been affected because of coronavirus? Are these, are, are they, are these, are, these are like elective and procedures. They're not necessarily, especially this, the um, egg freezing. It's the social, social egg freezing as you described it. So it's not necessarily an emergency service. So would that have stopped? So women probably would not have been that having access to these services? Yeah, so these services were stopped during the um, COVID-19 or during the acute phase of, of yeah. the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, because you're right, it's, you know, rightly or wrongly was not considered as a core service. Mm. And I think that was very much the beginning when the NHS had to try and concentrate um, its services in the places of acute need. So yeah. where it's the patients, but also for the private clinics, it was very hard to justify uh, carrying out procedures when we just didn't know so much about the um, infection, yeah. particularly with regards to social distancing and infection prevention and control. Yeah. Um, and so they did the right thing to keep people safe. However, fertility services have restarted. Okay, um, good. That was made uh, two weeks ago. 
Oh, that's so, good. Everybody should find that fertility services now have all started to open up with the social distancing measures in place. Yeah, of course, of course. Thank you so much, Dr. Christine Akechi, for joining us today on the third episode of the Dr. Diggies podcast. So we discussed the myths behind diets and fertility from talking about yams to vegan diets. We explained how common fibroids are and how depending on the size and location of the fibroid, this can also impact your fertility. Dr. Christine summarized really well this is the process and the costs of IVF and egg freezing. And you can find out more about this on the Human, Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority website. Sorry, it's a bit of a mouthful. The website's hfea.gov.uk. I hope we answered your questions. And if you still have anything else you'd like to ask me or maybe suggestions for future episodes, send me an email to drdiggypodcast at gmail or send me a direct message on Instagram at drdiggypodcast. I love hearing from you and replying to all your messages. Thanks again to Dr. Christina Ketchy for joining us. You can follow her on Instagram. And thank you for listening and joining us as we debunked medical myths. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you. Bye.